When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome aboard the Athletics Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets with Tim McMaster, Zach Rosenblatt, and Marissa Dunn. Can't wait! Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining us on the Can't Wait podcast. We know that it is not easy these days. Hopefully you enjoyed our No Jets Talk podcast last week. Um if you didn't enjoy it, we're not going to do another one. So we're, we're back to Jets talk, uh, for, for better or worse. Um, so, so keep that in mind. Also, we're continuing our holiday push for five-star reviews. Say something nice. Say something funny. You can say something bad as long as you give it five stars. It's, it's all good um, on Apple. So get those reviews in there. We're going to read the best ones um, at the end of the year. Zach, I worked hard to watch the Jets game yesterday. Um, we, I kind of let you know as it was going on, but I'm in Nashville. You see the background. If you're checking us out on YouTube, um, behind us for baseball's winter meetings, uh, I landed at new, uh, noon Eastern, I think. And so I was like, all right, I gotta get the jets game. I had programmed it to record on my Hulu TV, but because the jets game was not the actual game airing in Nashville, because it was the same time as the Titans. And I think the other, yeah. I can't remember the other game they had on, but it wasn't the Jets. Uh, it wouldn't let me watch it because of, you know, GPS <laughs> and all the fun toys they can do. So I had a bunch of stuff to do. Got to the hotel, checked in, went to where the meetings are, um, got all our stuff set up that we needed over there, and finally got to a sports bar over at the Gaylord Opryland Resort. And looked around, and there was no TVs. They're in a sports bar, all NFL games. The Jets were not on any of them. So I had to go up to the bar and say, hey, first I cleared it with all the people sitting at the bar, like quietly. Hey, do you mind if I have them change it to the Jets? A lot of people laughed at me. Finally said to the bartender, can I get the Jets game on this TV? And just in time for the second second half kickoff, I got the Jets. So I watched the second half of this game. I worked really hard to watch. And I know in chat, there's already a comment. You know, um, Ryan S. went golfing yesterday instead of watching the Jets. Well, I watched the Jets, worked hard at it. And uh, and we all suffered through that one. How was your experience, Zach, at the stadium? <laughs> By the way, I just want to say. I know I people had have, a hard uh, time getting to the game, too. I should say that, right? Like Penn State. Yeah, yeah I was about to say. I, I want to say I do have a, I forgot to say I have this Nashville poster right here from the Bluebird Cafe. So oh, I'm nice. in Nashville in two areas right here. But uh, it's more authentic yeah. than the generic uh, hotel art. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I am jealous. I love Nashville. Um, hot chicken. Uh, but yeah, so I, I got a message from a fan who told me about this. I didn't realize it, but like the NJ Transit, which is, you know, about as dysfunctional as the Jets are, <laughs> um, apparently it was like really like there was like about. Uh, I don't know, some sort of issue. So the trains were delayed. So people were stuck at Penn Station for like an hour. And so the stadium, it never really filled up, but it was pretty empty to start the game. I joke that um, maybe this is a sign from God that they don't need to be here. (laughs) 
And it was what what they were able to witness is one of the most disgusting football games I've seen in a while. So um, it was uh, it was ugly. I can't believe that they're getting worse. Uh, maybe I should believe it. I don't know. But and we have a lot to get into in specifics and who they go to quarterback now and all that BS. But it's just it's just depressing because um, like for our sake, we love doing this podcast. And there's like less interest in people listening about how miserable the Jets are, but there's like only so much we can talk about. I thought our, I thought our talk about anything, but the Jets pod was pretty fun. We even have a comment in here about one of the topics. Uh, it's carrying on. Kangaroos. Yeah. The King, kangaroos, yeah. Yeah. Brian. Stone, yeah. Um, research after the show. Yeah. I mean, we're not going to do those like weekly or anything, but I, I like that was a fun pod, but like, yeah, there's only so many different ways to talk about this team because it's the same stuff every week. So I, um, I feel bad for Jets fans above all else because this is just – it's sad that they have to watch this every week. Now we're we're getting to the point now where I think they might start rooting for them to lose if that hasn't already started happening for draft positioning. Um, right now I think they're at six after the Chiefs lost because of strength of schedule if you look on Tankathon. You can get into the top five whether you want to get a quarterback or if you want to get Marvin Harrison Jr. or an offensive lineman. Like, can you, you imagine to get Garrett five, with probably, Marvin Harrison Jr. on the other side? Yeah. Wow. If they, need, if they can only have someone throwing them the ball, I guess would be the right. key. But um, yeah. You know what's going to be but interesting? Yeah. Speaking, of, speaking of draft position, sorry to interrupt you, but week 18, Patriots. And at this point, because the Cardinals won on Sunday, the Patriots are right now in line for the number two pick. So in theory, the Jets, by losing that game to the Patriots in week 18, could not only help themselves draft wise, but hurt the Patriots and maybe take the Patriots away from getting either Caleb Williams or May, the North Carolina. You know, those top two quarterbacks are yeah. one, two. So, like, we'll have this discussion when we get there. But, like, if you're a Jets fan going into that game, what's more important, like ending the streak of losses to the Patriots or hurting the Patriots' draft choice spot and helping your own? By losing that game, that's going to be fascinating. Taylor, I've seen a lot of says, doesn't matter. Can't can't lose to them again, Tim. Which I think should it, be the, it that's is. How we should it, think about it. It is a fascinating discussion because I've seen the other side of it has been the dominant one I've seen so far, where people are like we all know how this is going to go. Uh, they're going to get to week eighteen and they'll finally beat the Patriots and they'll knock themselves out of positioning to get like right. X player. So. Um, I'm very interested to see how the fans feel about it as the season progresses and they keep losing. Ultimately, I don't have confidence they can beat anybody. Like this game, above all else, was the one where you're like, why should we believe this team can score any points on anybody? The Patriots, weirdly, have been arguably worse in the last like three weeks because their defense has given up 10 or less points and they've lost all three games. Six nothing um, yesterday. Yeah. Six nothing. So, yeah. Like, so the, like that. Um, yeah, that's the interesting part here. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. That's kind of like the journey we're heading on here. Where how miserable can it get? And that, and if they lose the rest of their game, because that's a ten game losing streak to end the season. And I know everybody seems confident that everybody's coming back internally. Like there's still, I still hear noise that like they still don't really, they're not worried about their job security yet. But if you lose ten games in a row to end the season, I, I don't know how anybody can justify bringing everybody back. And you can't just do some cosmetic change. It's got to be full scale stuff. So. I uh, maybe they won't lose ten in a row, but again, like I, I, I thought they were going to lose this Falcons game because they had given me no reason to think they could beat anybody. And some other beat writers were kind of like in the opposite, like the Falcons are not good, like they should be able to beat this team, and they didn't. And so now I still hear like 
Washington, New England. Like, why, why do those we, are why the only two winnable? <laughs> yeah, they've played some of the worst defenses in the league and still haven't scored. Like, it's just right. because Washington's defense is bad doesn't really give me confidence. So, um, I don't know. Like, we're we're reaching a point now where they have to circle back probably to the the quarterback that they've benched a million times, and it's just like we're in this crazy game of musical chairs. They're on seven quarterbacks that they've played the last two years. Um, if they start Trevor Simeon this week, that would be the fourth this year that they've started, which is insane. Like that does not happen. And so with only one like, injury, with only one injury. Yeah. So it's uh there's a lot of layers to the misery, but I just, I'm curious to see how the rest of the season goes, the locker room sticking together, uh, job security, if fans want them to win or not at the end, like how the crowds even look at MetLife coming up. <laughs> uh, they have the Texans this week at home. They have Washington at home. And I think that's it, right? Because they have Miami on the road, New England on the road, Cleveland on the road. Yeah, so the only two games they have left at home are, are Houston and Washington, which aren't the most exciting of games. So I'm curious to see what the crowd looks like. I, that's not even a criticism. I don't blame fans for not wanting to go to these games no, at this no, point. No, of course. Yeah, we should say that. We're not, yeah, it's not not critical of the fan base at all. Um, there's at this time, holiday season, you probably find better things to do on a Sunday. Um, okay, let's get into the game a little bit. Uh, and most of this conversation is probably going to come down to the quarterback position. I know you have thoughts about going forward too, but as far as Sunday goes, Tim Boyle, 14 of 25, 148, he was bad. Uh, and we'll get into not only those numbers, but the fact that like Garrett Wilson wasn't involved. That's a little bit later. Trevor Simeon, 5 of 13, 66. He was worse. Obviously, coming into the game is tricky. So it gets you to this point, and you just kind of like referenced it a little bit, and it's rampant on Twitter yesterday was, hey, Zach Wilson's better than this. And the team, everyone has to agree with that at this point, right? Like, And the offense was terrible with Zach Wilson. They did not score points. But it somehow it was better than this is. So when we look to next week, is there a chance that Zach Wilson goes back from third string to QB one? Oh my God. <laughs> Even just like talking about it, it's just like you shake your head. But um, I mean, at this point, you know, as always, I was wrong when I said it can't get much worse. It got worse. <laughs> um, like Tim, you, you mentioned, you alluded to Tim Boyle. Like there's just throws he did not make that were there. Like it's not even like, it's not even the bad throws that were the problem. It's that not making the throws that are like Garrett Wilson streaking down the field wide open. Um, but yeah, you know, ultimately like I'm trying to think of like a, the nicest way I could say this, like Zach Wilson is like the shiniest turd at this point. <laughs> like he's, he's like the least smelly turd. Um, like that, that's kind of the point. Like I've seen a lot of, a lot of fans have come with the, Oh, blame it all on Zach. Blame it all on Zach. The, the jets messed up. Like they had to bench him because the morale was going to get to a point where the locker room was going to splinter if they didn't. Um, and, and, and so they, they benched him and they benched him because he was bad. Just because they have other bad options doesn't mean benching him was the wrong move at the time. It was the right move, but now, you know, how does Zach feel about it? I don't know. I can't imagine he likes being yanked around like this. Uh, and I'm curious what he thinks about all of this situation. Um, but yeah, I think he's their best option. Ultimately, like he can, he can at least move out of the pocket, you know, all the Zach Wilson stuff we've said, like he can throw the ball down the field. I think he, he was not seeing a lot of guys, like people are forgetting 
that he was not good. Like I know everybody's like Zach Wilson would have done this, this, and this. He was not seeing Garrett Wilson be open either. Like the, these are things that he was doing. He's just he's a better thrower of the football than Trevor Simeon and Tim Boyle. I will say Simeon did have a good throw to Xavier Gibson down the sideline towards the end. He did. Um, so I think Tre- Trevor at least has more capabilities than Tim Boyle. So I that's why like I'm not ready to say Zach will start this week. I what, if I was going to predict, like, right this very second, I would say maybe that Trevor is the starter and that Zach is the number two this week. Um, but I, I do think that they are seriously considering playing Zach again. I don't know that it's happening yet, uh, I, but I think there are conversations happening about him playing again this season, and whether that's this week, next week, some point before the end of the season. I think it's just more trying to find somebody who can operate an NFL offense. I don't know that any of these three guys can. But we've we've reached a point where Zach Wilson, who is arguably one of the least successful top five picks at quarterback ever, is the best option because the other options they have aren't good. And ultimately, you can make the discussion about, okay, obviously the QB3 on your roster is not going to be good when you wind up playing them. But ultimately, it's more the, – the issue is more that they went into the season with Zach as the number two. And then obviously, as we've talked about ad nauseum, that they didn't bring anybody in after Aaron went down. I think you, you've seen it. Like, I know Josh Dobbs' stars has not shined. Like, that last game he had was pretty brutal, four interceptions. But he was great the, the other games and better than any Jets quarterback has been. And Carson Wentz is undebatably better than what they've had. And Joe Flacco, frankly, with for the Browns yesterday, he by the way, Joe Flacco publicly said he would have been down to come back to the Jets when Rodgers got hurt. He got interviewed by ESPN. Um, Flacco yesterday, looked- 23-44, 254. That's a – that's an amazing yeah. number. Of and, yards and his interception was in the fourth quarter, which, you know, Flacco's going to get interceptions. That's a part of the Flacco thing, but he takes shots and the Jets don't do that. So, and, and I'm sure a couple touchdowns, yeah. one of those shots ended yeah. up with Michael Dunn oh, getting yeah. a spike. If you haven't seen it, find it on YouTube or if you follow Marissa's social media accounts, she had it out there. Although I think that's. Oh, did, did she tweet it? Yeah. Or she. Uh, Instagram. Oh, Instagram. Okay. Yeah. That's the right one. But, uh, um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, it was, it was on the, at the end of the, uh, Harrison Bryant, uh, touchdown. He like handed it to Michael and he, it was the best, it was the best play of the day, in my opinion. Michael, it was a Gronk esque spike by Michael Dunn. It was, yeah. Although, although not to speak out of school, but it sounds like Michael was like embarrassed by it and didn't think it was, was mad that it was shown on camera, but we were all like, are you kidding me? That was, that was badass. (laughs) Um, that's just Michael, humble as he is. Uh, but yeah, you know, there's some good in the football world with that. Even though the Browns wound up getting killed, which I, as I texted you guys, like, I, I was like so focused on my Jet story and doing Jet stuff that I saw Joe Flacco throwing touchdowns and I saw the Michael Dunn thing, and I'm like, oh, the Bear- Browns must have won. And then I go and look at the score, and they got lit up. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but yeah, anyway, but what, what, were, what were we? How did we get sidetracked here? Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a 
happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Oh yeah, Flacco. Joe Flacco. Yeah, so Joe yeah, Flacco. oh yeah, like Flacco. Look, Flacco's not good. Like that's why I, I never really even mentioned him as a as a name when I mean he was like on my long list a while back, but I was never he was never someone I seriously considered. But in retrospect, like he, he's willing to throw the ball. He's smart. He can run the offense. Um, I think you know. That might having Flacco might have shown some of the issues with the Hackett's play calling. Where I, I don't know that he's asking for them to throw it down the field, but um, this game in particular, I don't think it was, was as much Hackett's fault as it was the quarterback play. And um, you know, ultimately, the, their decision making in this at the quarterback position is going to cost them this season. And Joe Douglas deserves criticism above all else. Robert Sala is involved with that; he's a part of the decision making process. But you know, this musical chairs thing it, it never works, and it's only going to keep getting worse this season. And Zach Wilson might maybe they play Zach Wilson this week, um, but Houston's defense isn't bad. They have some talent, and if you're expecting Zach Wilson to go out there and, and fix everything, then you have not been watching football. This was your um, your line, and I should start doing this. Like you have some great lines that you put in your stories, Zach. There was one a few weeks ago about the offense being like next to the trash outside the. I don't remember exactly what it was, but yesterday you dropped this into your story. Robert Sala rearranging deck chairs on the Titanic as the analogy for changing these quarterbacks, which I thought was yeah. amazing. But it does. I think that – so the longer this goes, right, this quarter one quarterback after another, they're all terrible, the more it shines the spotlight on Joe Douglas and I think Nathaniel Hackett to a degree. I think that Sala, Sala should get some credit for the defense, right, the fact that and granted, Albrecht's a big part of that. But like the fact yeah. that the defense continues to play hard um, with intensity and is a great unit gives Sal a little. But at the end of the day, if they do lose the tenant row and they decide, like, you know, that Joe Douglas is out, Sal goes out as collateral damage, too. I mean, there's no way you keep the coach and get rid of the GM. Yeah. I mean, look, they they made a decision at a certain point this season that they were going to start playing young players on offense. Um and so now you have guys like Donald Cook talking about how we still need to find our identity on offense, and we're almost at the end of the season, and they have, don't know what they can do well. <laughs> like it's, uh, but no, it's alarming. Still. Yeah, and yeah, they don't. That, and that's the thing. Like they can, they also can talk about how they play these young guys, but also you're not play, you cut a guy so you can play Izzy, and you haven't played Izzy at all. And Brees Hall has not run the ball well, um, and some of that's the run blocking. But Brees it just hasn't run it as well. He hasn't run as well in between the tackles. Like that's a, it's a true statement at this point. Um, and yeah, so I. You know, maybe they're getting getting benefit of the doubt because they're playing all these young guys now. But like, the young guys you're playing are two undrafted rookies at receiver, uh, a third round pick at tight end, Jeremy Ruckert. A hypothetically, if they actually were playing Izzy, he's a I think is a fifth round pick at running back, right? Like, it's not like these are guys they invest young players they invested in because they drafted a defensive end in the first round. Like Joe Tipman has been good, uh, but these young guys are not guys that like teams viewed as draftable players. Xavier Gibson had his best game offensively. He finally like was getting some targets, making plays downfield. It was very encouraging. But um, you know, you, you mentioned how he deserves credit for the defense. Like on defense, it seems like they've done a great job of developing guys and 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 when guys are injured, they put they somehow find ways to succeed still. You look at the game where Sauce and DJ didn't play and and Craig James looked like a stud and now he's not even on the team anymore. Um and then on off on offense, like these guys aren't who's playing above expectations on offense, could you say like Joe Tittman's maybe the only one. Um, Carter Warren is because you can't even Carter, say Garrett because yeah. he's not getting the opportunity. No, he, yeah, and the expectations were pretty high for him, and but it's not his fault. Brees Hall below, 
Um, you know, they cut Michael Carter, Dalvin Cook below. Jeremy Rucker, for as much as the fans love him, he hasn't really, like, produced a lot. Um, Conklin has so been what like, you would expect, I guess. He's, Conklin's he's been, yeah, yeah there, there's, there's, meet, there's meet expectations and there's exceed or fall below. And a good coaching staff gets more out of guys, not less. That's a reminder. We just did reviews at The Athletic, and you just rattled off <laughs> you know, all the options. Meets expectations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you mentioned uh, Brees. So Brees Hall, and I think I stole this from uh, Boy Green, actually, on Twitter. But the last, ever since his 177-yard game against the Chiefs, which he was tremendous, he has 83 carries for 198 yards. It's been brutal. And, yeah. and I do think, like, in that time, we've heard Salah kind of critique him for not grinding it out and getting the yards that you have to get. Uh, but it's been bad. And I, I do think a lot of that is on the O-line. But this is a guy who's supposed to be that weapon. And as they're currently using him, he's not at all a weapon. Dalvin Cook would looked better. He did, other than when he when it once he fumbled the ball away. <laughs> right. He was, but, the thing, but the thing the the Jets did the thing again, like Dalvin was running well and then they took him out. Like uh, at, at one point, like before the fumble, like he was running well, they took him out for Brees. Nothing happened. It was like the flip side of what they had been doing when Brees was playing well and Dalvin wasn't. Um, I, I should say Brees does deserve some credit because he's gotten more involved as a pass. Actually, I was gonna. Say, yeah, yeah, it's okay. I was I was looking at the the opposite side, but yeah, like in that stretch where he struggled as a runner, he's done pretty well as a passer. Mm-hmm. Seventy six yards, four receptions for ten yards, three for forty seven, five for fifty, seven for twenty four, six for twenty nine. Like he's become involved in yeah. the passing game. Um, yeah, he's not. He hasn't had that big explosive play that we've all come to expect out of him. Um, and he's always like one play away from it. I do again. I think I alluded to this last week. I think it is important to remember that he is in his first year off ACL. Like he was, he came out of the gates faster than we expected. Um, and so I think it's reasonable to say that maybe he's not all the way um, yep. there. But yeah, I mean, he has he hasn't played as well. So that, that's kind of like my thing with Izzy. Like if Brees isn't playing well, and I get your you're not, you know, you're not happy with his pass protection or whatever, but I, uh, I don't know. I, I don't get why you don't at least give him a couple carries, a couple touches, see if he can make something happen because nobody else is doing that. Garrett Wilson was open. I think you had a stat that you shared that he is currently for the season fourth among receivers as far as like open, I don't remember, open rate. Open or score, open, yeah. Open score. So he's getting open and he was open some, for some big plays on Sunday. And, and you said that Tim Boyle didn't even, there was no target there. Didn't even try. Um, yet you guys talk to him every week after the game. And I just got to give so much credit to Garrett. Cause like he stands up there, he takes the same questions and he doesn't, he, he answers them. He doesn't bail. Like, I mean, if that guy escaped the locker room one week, and just didn't talk to the media. I feel yeah. like you'd just be like, "Yeah, of course not." Oh, we would get he it. We the would same get it. thing every week, and he, yeah. but he continues to stand in there. He never throws anyone under the bus. He all he blames himself for these things, right? Like yesterday is the best example. He's open. He's not getting the ball, and his his comments to the media after the game is that he needs to do a better job of communicating to the quarterback that he's open which is outrageous. Yeah. I mean, 
like I, I even I even made a joke in my story from last night where I'm like, what is he supposed to say? Like when he's out there, like, hello, Mr. Boyle, I'm open. If you could give, get me the ball at your earliest convenience. Um, <laughs> like, I, <laughs> like, I don't know what else the guy can do. Like, I, look, I know he hasn't been perfect. Like, he's had some drops and fumbles. Like, and, yeah. But he's taken them. He's, like, accepted responsibility. And whereas I think a lot of these guys have deflected. You look at, like, Alan Lazard's comments last week. Um, I forget if we ever got around that. No, I don't think we ever got around to talking about those because we did our no jet spot. Like, Lazard didn't really take responsibility for his struggles this year at all. Um and so, um, yeah, so I, I, I respect Garrett quite a bit for the way he's saying, I know last year he wore his emotions on his sleeve a little bit more. Like I think you saw it more and he was struggled. He had that, that one game after the one locker room after the, I think the first Patriots loss where, uh, or maybe it was the second one. I can't remember where he's like, this shit has to stop. Like we can't keep playing like this, blah, blah, blah. And, and he's handled and everything. He had the, the one sideline this year, right? Was yeah, that, yeah, where, where it seemed like maybe he was raising his voice, but yeah, it, that was the same week with the Michael Carter thing. Right. Um, yeah, like I, he just handled it, he and he just like so like beaten down by, and already he's only his second year as a Jet, and he already's beaten down. Like, welcome, welcome to the welcome to the team, I guess. Um, and every week it just seems like he's having less and less to say to us, and it, it's got. I feel bad for him, and I know fans are like worried about how this is going to play long term with him. Like he's gonna remember all this that he went that got put through, um, and he's he, like the prime of he's young, so the prime of his career he's not even reached the prime of his career, but he's young, and so these are like he could be putting up numbers like the best receivers in the NFL, and he's not, and that affects contracts when you get down the line, and um, you know he has he has a, a family to feed and all that stuff. Like I, he's being wasted away on a bad team uh, that should be using him better, especially like if he wasn't getting open. Or teams were like, you know, scheming up to stop him, which I'm sure they are to a degree. But the teams are scheming up to stop him, and he's still getting open at the fourth best rate out of any receiver or tight end in the NFL. Like that is like, uh, ESPN has like actual tracking that they do for that. Like it's, it's a, whereas Alan Lazard is I think like fifth to last or something, and that's in that same stat. So, like he's the only guy in their team that gets open consistently, and they don't know how to get on the ball. The quarterback doesn't know how to deliver to him, or they get scared because he's down the field. Like I don't know what it is, but. Um, they should be manufacturing touches for him every play if you have to, like whatever, like every passing play if you have to. Um, and so I, I, uh, I feel for him and I respect him and I appreciate him as a media member because he's he's really good to us. Um, if he's at his locker, he always almost as I joked, like unless he has to go walk his dog, he almost always will like shoot the breeze with you. Um, and he's a guy that has a lot of obligations. He's he's a guy that the Jets often use to go to like season ticket holder events. Like he's doing charity stuff. Uh, he has a lot of sponsors. I keep seeing the commercial with him and Sauce Gardner with the uh, Microsoft Surface. Like I see that almost every time I turn on my YouTube TV. Um, and, and so, like, he's busy, but he makes time for everybody. He's a leader. His teammates love him. Like, the Jets fans should be, like, ecstatic that they have him. The Jets as an organization should be ecstatic that they hit on somebody personality and skill-wise like this. But stop wasting him, man. Get him the ball. Make him the make, make him the ball XUB. Yeah. yeah. Because you need him to stick around too. Like you need to lock him down at some point. Um, And if it's more of this, you know, he needs to have that breakout season where he's able to show his worth to the league too. So, I mean, obviously he was rookie of the year last year. Everybody knows how good he is, but, um, and you did share the stat uh, in your story that he tied the record for jets receivers in their first two seasons for catches. I think it was one fifty. and he's five games left. Um, Wayne Corbett. I believe yeah. had that record. Um, 
any show we can get Wayne Corbett mentioned on is a is a <laughs> podcast goes. Um, all right, one more bright spot on the offense, Joe Tipman. The offensive line, I mean, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't as bad as it's been the last the last couple of weeks. It was, you know, hike the ball, quarterback kind of runs for his life. Um, yesterday, I thought they held up pretty well against the Falcons. Yeah, it. I wonder if this is the group they kind of roll with for for a little bit because Dwayne Brown is clearly healthy enough. They, they were using Dwayne Brown as a jumbo tight end, and they even moved him in motion at one point, which I don't know if I've seen many where you move the O-line and that you – like Michael Dunn, we, we should ask Marissa about this if he ever went in motion because he was the jumbo tight end a lot last year. And I'm, he probably was last night uh, a little bit too. Um, I, I can't imagine they move in motion very much, but Dwayne at 39 years old was moving and um, – He's like the swing tackle back of it. Like, it seems like they want to give Carter Warren a chance. And he had his bumps, but I thought for the most part, he held up okay. He gave up a couple sacks, which obviously is not good. But it was his first start or second start. New position. He's never played right tackle before. So if they can find something with Carter Warren, I think Max Mitchell is probably a backup. Uh, probably a ceiling. Joe Tipman is is good. Lincoln Tomlinson, I think, deserves more credit. I think he's been solid. He's the only healthy guy they've had all year. Makai was back. I didn't really notice him struggling as much. And... And uh, and who they oh Wes Schweitzer returned and he brought some like veteran leadership to that line. I kind of needed it on, uh, especially next to Joe Tipman. I think that's that's key. So that was probably their best like five some they've had since the beginning of the season. I would say like in terms of just like okay, we can trust these guys to do their jobs at the very least outside of Carter Warren maybe. But um, yeah, you know if this is the group they can roll with, um, I think that uh, yeah. I, I think it's encouraging and you I, I, you can't use the offensive line as an excuse from this last game. Like that's one of the, right. like that's been the going excuse a lot of the time. It was not there. Nothing was their fault. Like there, there was some pressure, uh, but also like some very like weird decision-making from Simeon. Like Simeon doesn't seem like he knows how to hold on to the ball a lot of the time. Like he was, he was running very loosely with it and Tim Boyle isn't very fast. So um, that's the one other thing you get with Zach. If you put him back in there is the mobility. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that exactly, and I, but also that that also brings the dynamic um, of him holding down to the ball too long or whatever. But yeah, I think that's also one of the appeals of playing Zach now. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Defense was, they just keep playing hard, man. And you mentioned Mosley saying, having some comments about this is just this is just how it is. But I think I texted you after the first quarter when I was trying to find a TV somewhere. I said it was only a matter of time before the Jets led a game two to nothing after one. And we, <laughs> we finally got there. Uh, three safeties on the season. They held the Falcons to 194 yards. They were four of 13 on third down. Um, and they kept this game winnable right to the end. I mean, how many chances did the offense get right in that fourth quarter? They just kept getting the ball back despite a couple turnovers and everything that was going down. Um, and, I mean, watching the game, you just knew the offense was never going to score. Um, but and among the bright spots on that defense, Jermaine Johnson continues to show that he's becoming kind of a star. 
Yeah. Jermaine Johnson, and I think I, I had he had six pressures, three QB hits, two tackles for loss uh, in the running game. He's a stud. Like, I, I don't know if he's going to make the Pro Bowl this year, but he's a Pro Bowl caliber player. So I, if he can, like, really pump up his sack numbers, I think that would go a long way. But he's an absolute stud, and um, they're lucky to have him. I should say someone meant, uh, Taylor just mentioned him. Um, Ashton Davis deserves a shout-out because that dude, for all the flack he got for the first few years of his career, um, every time he's out there, he seems to force a turnover. Like he's become like a playmaker. He's really athletic. And I'm, it's at the point now where I wonder, I don't know, maybe they don't want him to be a starter. Maybe he's best suited as that third safety. Like maybe this is just the sweet spot for him, but he's going to be hitting free agency. And all of a sudden it's like, I kind of don't know if you want to let him go. Like he's young, he's athletic. He fits this defense really well. You pair him and Tony Adams together. Maybe you get a veteran in there, let Jordan Whitehead leave. Like, I don't know, man. Like I, I, he deserves a lot, a lot of credit for just kind of like keeping his head down, ignoring all the noise. He's kind of, he kind of stayed in the background. Nobody talked about him all off season. He didn't stand out in a good or a bad way in training camp. And now he's, he's he gets fumble recoveries, forced fumbles, he gets interceptions. Like I, it, it's very impressive. This is kind of the guy that they probably envisioned when they drafted him. But sometimes some guys take a while to get developed. It's the Quincy Williams thing. And the thing I, is I, when I, they, I, when they drafted him, you know, upon drafting him, the thought process was, oh, he'll probably be a project just because of like, I think he was a later round draft pick and and he hadn't played a ton of football, right? If I remember right, like, and that's what he became. But like, yeah, over the time when the struggles are happening, I feel like the fan base almost kind of like forgets that, oh, this guy was supposed to be kind of a project to begin with. And now he's he's developed into what they thought he'd be. Yeah, and 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 employee Green just mentioned another one um, that has flown way under the radar. I've alluded to him sometimes. A Quentin Jefferson um, in an off season where I don't think Joe Douglas had many hits. I, I think Quentin Jefferson was a great uh, replacement for Sheldon Rankins. He's been great pass rusher. He's had to play a bigger role since Al Woods went down, and he's another guy that like if you can get him, he might have earned himself a lot of money because they signed him for pretty cheap. I think like three million dollars. If you can get him back at a, at a reasonable salary, like I, I think he's a good guy to pair. I think he fits next to Quinn pretty well. Um, and so, you know, they're, they're just loaded on the D line. And so I, uh, yeah, I, I'm, it's, it's impressive. All right. We wanted to play one more game here before we say goodbye. And that is how would the jets fare in the college football playoff? And part of this stems from, we were going to do, we were going to do a little segment just to, I think, for the rest of the season, we'll at least do something that's not Jets related. And we were going to talk about the fact that Florida State, in my opinion, Zach, got completely hosed in the college football playoff. You go 13-0. and You schedule an SEC power on your schedule, non-conference in LSU. You handle them handily. Like, yeah. they beat up LSU. You run the table in a Power 5 conference. In the championship game, they didn't get Iowa in the championship game. They got a good Louisville team that was top 10 at one point this year and was still number 14 when they played them. And they handled, obviously, 16-6 to or whatever the score was, like it was all on the defense. But they did everything they could do. And, yeah, their quarterback got hurt. Like the Jets quarterback got hurt. And they don't have a quarterback, but they keep winning games. And sure enough, we have to watch Alabama in yet another college football playoff and they'll probably beat Michigan and it'll be Alabama and the SEC in the championship. And this was a chance for the playoff committee knowing that we're going to eight teams next year. Like this is the last one of these. They could have like 
I feel like sent a good vibe in a sense to like, all right, no SEC teams this year. Like, here we go. None of them like yeah. did everything they needed to do. And here's proof of why we needed to go to this eight team playoff. Not that anybody needed the proof, but like it's to make sure like all these conferences are represented because we're not going to have an SEC team because they were all somewhat flawed and we have an undefeated Florida state team and they go ahead and they put in Nick Saban. I'm, I could care less about Florida State football, and I was furious yesterday just because of how it went down. I don't think you care as much as I do about this. Hold on, I keep getting phone calls. Um, I uh, yeah, I I kind of like had a feeling what happened. You just know Alabama was going to get in over. You know the SEC team is always going to get favored, but um, you know they all almost know, lost a- to Auburn a week ago. I mean, anyway, sorry. No, you're good. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm just happy that Arizona got an Alamo Bowl. They're going to be playing Oklahoma. Um, but, I, uh, yeah, it was not surprising, but it, unfortunately, like, to go undefeated, and, and the whole quarterback thing is just, is just crazy. Um, and so, yeah, I don't know. I, I get why everybody's flipping out about it because it's kind of BS that Alabama just gets the benefit of the doubt all the time. But, you know, this is what happens when you put people in a room and you're asking them to make a judgment call. I think the eight play, the eight team thing is going to make a big difference. I'm, I'm sure, although I'm sure you'll see some teams at the nine or 10 spot get screwed, but um, yeah, that's, that's where we're at. That's where we are. The jets, I think would fare very well in the college football playoff. They would probably win it. Like yeah. it, I think people do. I, people joke about that, but like at the end of the day, like the the talent level when you go from the very best NFL team or college teams to the very worst NFL teams, it's a huge difference. And so the Jets would yeah would roll through the college football. Playoff, oh yeah, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah also yeah. without a quarterback. Um, all right, you have to go chase some stories. I yeah. think so. Um, we'll, we'll let you go. We'll end it there. Um, a little short because stay tuned to Zach on Twitter and the stories because. I actually don't know what story you're chasing, but <laughs> but um, go go get it, and we'll uh, we'll have a preview coming up later this week as the Jets try to get back in the win column. Thank you for everybody for you know everybody that's here for the stream, everybody that checks out the audio. We know it's been a struggle this season, and we appreciate everybody that tunes in and listens and and get that review, and we'll read it on the line. We'll talk to uh, to everybody again later this week.